you're too old to be making this crap up now. Like you, you're, I'm sorry. I, I you didn't make that you're, up. You're not with it. You are not hip. And welcome back to the Refactor Podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less each day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 68, recorded on May 3rd, 2022, after a brief, unplanned hiatus. Because back last, in the saddle. Last week was bonkers uh, for me, bonkers anyway. Well. Just yeah. total bonkers. Anyway. So today I, um, well, I had some good news. I know that you already know this, but, uh, you know, I have, uh, recently started a new job at a new company and what do we get a, can we get a fan? We got to get a fanfare. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we get that. There we go. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So yeah, very exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that wasn't enough clapping. That's more clapping. That's more like it. I'm sorry. I look. I'm a one man band. More you know? clapping. Mm-hmm. I'm a one man band. You ever see one of those guys? The the actual one man band setup. That is like a level of talent that I can't even fathom. I it's it is impressive. What's funny about them is how little they like, actually I can't, appear to move. I can't. Right. I mean, I can't walk to the I can't walk to the cabinet for more chips without falling over something on my way there. The level of coordination and and focus is just mm-hmm. phenomenal. And because and because every single part of his or her body is is motion activated, they actually make really small, tight movements. And so they actually yeah. just kind of march in place with really short movements. But they're doing like so much with those little movements. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 It's kind of nutty. Um so anyway, yeah, started cool started a new right company. There. Uh this one's a little bit different for me. Um I'm back in the startup space. And so oh, in okay. the in the I'll say real startup space. My last company had been a startup <laughs> and then we got acquired by a company that claimed to be a startup with 600 plus employees and, you know, a you know, millions of dollars in the bank. I, I do not that had it. that had either enough liquid capital or access to equity in order to acquire an otherwise successful and thriving business. Ex- so, yeah, and they've actually been all, doing nothing but acquisitions. Like, it, yeah, yeah. It, 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 startup, startup is yeah. In quotes, startup. quotes, big, big air quotes in that. So I'm back yeah. to in in the in the real startup space. I'm on a team of like six. And, uh, you know, the goal is to, you know, grow it out to uh, to an acquisition. So that's pretty exciting. And uh, this is also in the uh, cybersecurity space, which I have danced around. Ooh, I would argue, cybers. yeah. So I, I have, I have sort of, well, I mean, you, we both have danced around the cybersecurity space our our entire careers, but never been in a company that would classify itself as a pure cybersecurity company. Yeah. A cyber play, which is just like the 13-year-old boy in me giggles when I hear cyber used in like a security context. I know. Way back in the day, That's you right. said like like cyber was people sending pictures of their naughty bits over the interwebs. Yeah, c- so- cyber was just the interwebs. It was just cyberspace. And so it was web. It was you know, from AOL. No, but that, know? no, but the slang, remember like way back, the slang was like, oh, cyber was like, like cyber sex. Cyber like that sex. Was the, oh, yeah. oh man. I, that I, was I, the slang. Like you got to go back a yeah, ways. I, I must've missed that window where, where you had the short, I mean, I remember the term it still is a term cyber sex, but I, I never, 
I, I is, missed, is it still a term? Like, I mean, that's still a thing that can happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, sexting. Right, but is it called that? I mean, well, sexting. Call yeah. Sexting. Maybe they've replaced it. I don't know. Sexting, but that has a that has like a specific like. It's a very like spe- message. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Like I like I didn't. I'm not like involved in this business, so I don't yeah, really right. know. Yeah, you better you better throw that caveat out there because you got to say you jumped on this pretty quick. This whole the 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 whole cyber. <laughs> oh this yeah. Shorthand. So now like, right. You, so now oh yeah. Now I've okay, got to backpedal mm-hmm. so that it seems like I'm not the kind of person uh, that does right. this. Right. That's the playbook. Yeah. That's the playbook. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, so this is in this in in the in the cyberspace in cyberspace. Space. Oh my gosh. In that's the awful. Cyberspace. Cyber space. space. I just, grammatical space. Space. The I just cyberspace. hate the term. I, I just yeah. hate the term. Yeah. It's it's not a it's not a it's not a great term. I don't see a better because one. Because cyber because cyber it's it no, it's just it's just a language thing. It sounds cooler than infosec. Because that's really what it is, right? It's information security. <laughs> yeah. Cyber uh, yeah. anyway. maybe maybe. Maybe. Anyway, so uh what I the interesting thing about about cybersecurity, you know, when I was uh, when I was talking to, um, uh, I, I got connected through a through an old through a friend who is uh, uh, works through works for uh, one of the investors, you know. So it was like a you know it was a connection, which just goes to show you it's not what you know, it's who you know. Always and everywhere, forever, does, always be the that case. Does play out a um, remarkable percentage of the time, right? Um, and in those conversations, one of the things that was discussed was, okay, well, yeah, you mean, you know, this, this could be in selling me on the position. One of the, th- one of the selling points that they were making was that. Oh, wait, uh, so they, they had to come and sell you on this. You didn't go groveling to their door. Uh, exactly. Is that how you're trying to position this? Right. Like, like that they, they Sup- came the arms, you know, hands out, right? Like, please, Super. Frank, please, will you come to us? I mean, it was a little less grovelly than that. Um, a little my, less, but like my, my 80% friend, is grovelly, just so less. My, my friend, my friend, Pat, who, who, who hooked <laughs> me up here, uh, he's former special forces. He will kick my ass if I make too much fun of him, probably. So no, he didn't, <laughs> he did not grovel per se. Um, but one of the uh, one of the selling points that was was indicated in in some of the earlier conversations was that most of the companies that he deals with are in cybersecurity, and by working in a cybersecurity, you now have that feather in your cap, and you can say that you have worked in a cybersecurity company, which you can then carry forward into other cybersecurity companies. And I and I had I had two reactions there. So on the one hand, yeah, I get it. You and I dealt with this, you know. You get exposed to an industry vertical. Now you can say you have exposure yeah. to that vertical and you can sort of carry that forward. Opens doors. Yeah, y- yeah, it, it, it does. On the other hand, cybersecurity has always had a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a, a clickish bent, a clickish behavior to it. And, and anyone who's been in cybersecurity will freely admit this. Yeah. Like, this is not a, this is not a secret. This is not some, you honey, know, some dark secret, but now hu- honey pee. Yeah. Honey it, pee. It, 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 That's what, my slang for the day. What honey? What the, what the hell is that? What is honey? Honey pee? pee. Honey. One hundred percent. Honey what, pee. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. Get with the times, Frank. You're you're too old to be making this crap up now. Like you, you're. I'm I, sorry. You I didn't make that you're, up. You're not with it. I didn't make it you up. You are not hip. honey pee. Come on. I, I'm not, but I didn't make that okay. up. Okay. <laughs> well, you should just. You should. Whatever you're doing, you should just stop. <laughs> It's been a long two weeks since we talked to each other. Yeah, That's really what we're, really we're getting at with about. this whole thing. <laughs> and back I to this week on a, Frank. 
We're going to have a lot of these sidebars going across the bar today. Back to, back to this week on Frank fails to make one single point without oh, being interrupted. God, damn you. <laughs> so the um, so cybersecurity has long had a, a very clickish behavior where, the, you know, yeah. if you're inside the space, then you're in. And if you're outside the space, well, you don't know anything. And they are. Well, at, yes. If you're outside the space, you know nothing. And if you're inside the space, you know less than me. I think is the channel Depending. like there is yeah, there almost yeah, there yeah. almost is mm-hmm. like there almost is no in group there's just out groups <laughs> like yeah. different levels of out group or there's just these little <laughs> subcultures of in group and part of that is the way that cybersecurity has sort of grown up because a lot of it comes from the hacker culture and people who you know hackers who have morals have effectively been the foundation of yeah. your of your initial cybersecurity um, <laughs> hackers who have morals or immunity deals. Let's either be a or. Yeah, either or. Okay. All right, fine. And so you, you have this, um, you know, there's definitely an, an in and out crowd kind of, kind of vibe yeah. to it that I mean, they as an industry are, are aware of. It is clickish. Yeah, it, it is. But they're, but they're, it has been moving away from that. I don't want to knock anyone too hard here. It's moving away from that, which is a sign of maturity, which is good. Um, but uh, is still a stigma and uh, you know something that um, I rail against. Um, I t- and it, because it has really negative effects across the board. So a couple couple things to to think about um, with um, you know with cybersecurity folks. You know if you whether you know consciously or unconsciously you know buy into this this stigma. If you're dealing with somebody inside an organization who is, you know, not part of the in crowd, you know, some random engineer, some random project manager, director, whatever, if they have no direct official seal of approval type exposure to cybersecurity, then, you know, you, you the stigma to, you know, distrust what they are saying uh, or that they don't know what they're doing, you know, that can that can hurt you. You know, like it can hurt you personally, professionally. It can also hurt the projects that you're that you're working on. It can slow things down. It can create friction. Um, so it goes in that direction. And then in the other direction with engineers who, oh, I write code. I'm just a developer. I'm not a security person. You know, I, I just take I just write Terraform scripts. I just build infrastructure in AWS, but I'm not a security person. And this is the this is the side of it that I really don't like, and we've talked about this before, but I'll bring it up again. Bull crap! You are one hundred percent a security person because you're dealing with the crap that actually like, is yeah, going to get breached. And that's and well, and it, it's also it's it's a little myopic to think, and it's the same. It's not fundamentally. I think in its scope, it it may vary. I'm not saying that it's it's not any different at all, um, but conceptually, it's no different than somebody who's quote, just a developer, unquote, Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, they don't have a sales role or that they don't have a leadership role or that they don't have a finance role or that that legal role. It's like all of these things that, yeah, there's some of it, there's some of it that creeps into your job and you are like the end, the end of the chain of thinking always winds up in the same space. You are nothing but benefited from trying to understand the discipline. Mm-hmm. Whether it's finance or law or marketing or accounting or, you know, whatever the, you know, anything that's not strictly code, you know, technical domain or business domain. The fact is that you need to understand the business domain to be effective. And that business domain is not just your target market. So it's not just 
healthcare or, you know, mobile users or cat owners or whoever it is, right? It's all of the other stuff that goes into the business. And, mm-hmm. and I look at, I look at the technical domain as not just the code you're writing, but it's, again, it's composed of lots of little subdomains. There's the infrastructure, the security, the workflows, the, you know, it's all of that kind of stuff. You're, you're right. only benefited by learning more about it. And to say that, oh, I don't do that. It's a little ostrichy for my taste. Like, I, it is. yeah, you, yeah. you do. Yeah, like, you, yeah, you do. You do. Whether you realize it or not. Yeah, I would say uh, I agree with all of that. I would say the connection between being an engineer, being an IT person and security is is even deeper than that. It's, it goes beyond simply being familiar with sales, familiar with marketing to, no, no yeah, this absolutely. is actually yeah. a core part of your job that you can't just yeah. simply ignore. Um you know, it would be like a salesperson who, well, I'm a salesperson. I don't deal with the customers. What are you talking about? If you're in sales, you 100% deal with customers. You know, it's, it's that it's that level of of embeddedness yeah. that I'm I'm sort of illustrating here. I, I do it, or 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 my secretary. <laughs> what would you say you do here? I'm a people person. <laughs> oh man! So uh, it's a. I, I really wanted to to hone in on that because it, it you know it this is still a this is still a stigma and you know we need to um you know we need to work against that and yeah. um I uh you know so on the one hand I thought yeah okay this is this is good it gets me in the door with cyber on the other hand mm-hmm. I kind of I my my instinctive reaction I kind of bristled at it a little bit because what are you talking about I've been doing I said well, hold on no I've been doing security my entire career. I build really secure infrastructure. I build really secure applications. I know OWASP top 10, you know, as any decent developer should. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand it? I'm focused on making sure that my, my product is secure. And if something is broken, I go in there and I lock it down. And, you know, I'm I'm looking for vulnerabilities, not just for the code I use, but the libraries I use and the other components. So no, I, I, I do security. I'm, I'm a security person too, you know, and which is why, which is why the, the, what, you know, who, you know, distinction makes a big difference because mm-hmm. who, you know, gets you in a conversation where you can make that point because not looking at your resume, I can tell you your resume does not tell that same story, right? Not in the level of depth and clarity and detail and with the potency that you were just able to explain in like 12 seconds of opening. Wait, wait, are you critiquing my resume or are you speaking more generally? Are you talking about me specifically? No, I'm not critiquing your resume. What I'm suggesting is back to what you said previously. It's not not what you know, it's who you know. True. Who you know gets you a conversation Mm -hmm. where you can explain like you did in 12 seconds with enough punch and conviction that I believe you and I get, you know, you're Ah, you're in one of the in-groups. Right. In a way that your resume never will and won't and doesn't. Right. Yeah. Um, Now, if it if it says on your resume, if I see, oh, worked, worked at Rapid7, worked at Veracode, worked at, you know, True Digital, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever vendor. And I know the industry. Okay, then you actually work for an InfoSec company. That's like that can be a signal. But even though you worked there, does that really mean anything? It's the conversation. and, And yeah, so I, I I'm going to jump in there because you 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 hit on something a really interesting nugget that I just thought of it. The um just because you worked at at Rapid Seven or Verico, you know, any of these big name, big ticket, you know what it reminds me of? Reminds me of Fangs. 
Reminds me yeah. of, of the same mindset yeah. of working at Facebook, Apple, Netflix, you know, yeah. Google. It's the same idea. Just because you work at those companies doesn't mean you have any special magic knowledge that, you know, distinguishes you. And from I, have we complained about this generic before? User. If I see if I see something come across because I'm in I'm in LinkedIn like quite a little bit, like for my job. Um, if I see something come across LinkedIn and your like title is, you know, X Google, X Microsoft. Oh. I just block. I just block it. Like I don't care at that point. I'm mm. I'm legitimately not mad at somebody for being proud of their pedigree and being proud of their alumni status with these big firms. Cause like it is a thing. Like that's that's an achievement. And if you want mm. you, you should be proud of that. And if you want to be, that's great. And mm. you should put it out there. But from where I sit, the motivation that goes into that being the leading foot of your personal brand is like super sus. And I don't want to seem overly dismissive or cantankerous about it, but uh, I don't care. Like as a hiring manager, yep. I just don't care. Yeah, it, it just doesn't matter. 100%. I, um, so the, so the impedance mismatch of me not caring and you being so amped up on that being your brand like some other company being your personal brand, it just it's it's a signal that it's I, a red it flag. Doesn't resonate. No, no, the, the, yeah. I think this entire problem hinges around you use the right term pedigree. Okay, you worked for a company. Okay, you did a job, and you've got experience. Guess what? You're a very special snowflake just like all the other very special snowflakes. And maybe yeah. they have Google on their resume and maybe they don't. I don't care. And most people, I think, are in the same boat you or I are in that I don't care what jobs you were at. Tell me what you've done. Tell me what you can do. Tell me about what your you've done. skills yeah. Yeah. that make prove you to valuable. Me what you've, prove to me what you've done and then tell me a story about how you're going to use it to help me. That's exactly. It. That's the conversation. I, 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 and, I, and honestly, the former is just a back up the latter, because ultimately what I care about in an interview, in a resume review, in any of that kind of thing, what I'm looking for is predictive value. So if I'm talking to a candidate, I'm looking for things that hold predictive value for your ability to drive business success for me. The rest of it is just uh, call it artifacts, documentation, evidence, proof, whatever you want. It's just building a case that that will be true. Yeah, but see, the, but but I'm going to honing in here again. The, this notion of it being a pedigree that because I worked at Google, there is some baseline expectation I have that you're going to be, I don't know. Oh, yeah, and I just awesome don't. I unique. just don't. What, no, no, it's not that you don't. It's that it does not exist. Like, it, it fundamentally does not exist. And you presuming that you have that says a lot more about your right, personality than it does about any of your skill set. And yeah, the simple fact that you were there, the only thing it may indicate is some degree of technical acumen in a in a in a narrow spectrum. And that's not the thing I care most about when I'm hiring. Right. But you like, Yeah, you yeah, know, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm not sure you're yeah. totally getting what I'm saying because like no, yes. no, I I do. I hear I I hear what you're saying, right? It it you you being so preoccupied with the share, and by the way, this is a shared delusion that I am not included in. That having simply for the fact of having been there, mm -hmm. you represent something more than the average candidate. Mm -hmm. I just I don't buy it. It's not true. No, it's just not true, right? And but but it's not not only is it the fact that the the suggestion 
that you represent more because that's not true. But you buy into that suggestion that you, yeah, that is as a, a signal that I don't like. Yes, that's, yeah. a, that's a very, that's a very net negative signal. Uh, you know, when I, yeah. when I see, when I get candidates that are, that have Facebook, especially, especially if it's displayed prominently the way you're talking about X Google or X Microsoft, those candidates, I am going to grill. I mean, grill for personality fit, not technical right, skill, can, not technical yeah. skill, personality fit, because you yeah. are clearly walking in the door with an ego and I don't need egos. I, I do not want yeah. or need your ego. You Perfect. are not better like, than the rest of these employees simply because you happen to work at Google. You might have some unique experience. You may have walked the campus, you know, use the foosball table. Good for you. That does not mean squat about your capability. And so I want to focus on your ability and, and because of you touting the fact that you happen to work at this company formerly, you know, let's, let's stop it. Well, case stop study, it. Hold on, hold case study. Stop and think about this for a second. Stop and think about this for a second. What other, what other job, what other, what other position outside of your alma mater for college? Okay. Outside of that, what other company does anyone ever brag about having formerly worked at? Like, well, oh, there's a ton of this, dude. There's a ton of this. How about the big four? How about, how about uh, the accounting firms, right? That's big. And uh, consultants in Wall Street, the big four, that's a huge name. People oh, yeah. This is not a unique. No. I don't think that's a it is we're exposed to a lot of it in a in a biased way because of the industry we're in. I don't think that's really a novel like trading on the name college. Yeah, yeah you you're right. Never, that's the original. You would never. OK, so let me let me better. But clarify. if I come in, you I want to be a consultant. and I say, look, I spent six years at McKinsey. That's going to mean something it's gonna mean in a some, lot yes, of right, in but, a lot. But of you rooms. would never. Yeah. But you <laughs> but your LinkedIn profile doesn't say former McKinsey consultant extraordinaire like you don't you don't you got me on that one that. that's what i'm talking about like it's you got not, me on that one it's not part of your title it, it, you know that X, you self-brand yeah. as only googlers only facebookers that yeah. only fangs only fangs well, do that no other vertical a, does this it's it's a badge of honor because of the hiring process that those firms put into place right so those those hiring processes they plumb the breadth and depth of technical know-how as it pertains to actual coding prowess with a bent towards sort of the academic interpretation of the same, right? What those hiring processes do nothing for, because I have gone through them personally. Yep, that's true. What they do nothing for, they don't assess personality very well. They don't assess interpersonal relationships. They don't assess temperament. They don't... At, at least it was the case a while ago. Maybe they've learned better, but I suspect that's not the case. What they want to know is, do you understand efficient technology systems? And we're going to manage the hell out of that with people that have people skills, right? I don't want that. I don't want mm -hmm. a layer of really smart computer scientists on the ground and then a layer of really talented people managers above them that's not that's not what success looks like to me. What success looks like to me is a well-balanced team where anybody can step into any conversation and at least sound like an intelligent grown-up human and not be completely out of their depth. So if I take one of these people that understand how to manipulate individual registers in a C program to, you know, uh, leverage, you know, uh, cash lifetime and all this kind of stuff, if I put them in a boardroom, are they going to sound like somebody that subsists on Doritos or not? 
right? That's your litmus mm-hmm. test, right? Um, and it, and it, and and the I, I got them at you know the inverse is true as well, right? Can you take one of the business people at your firm, put them in a technical conversation, and can they not make an ass of themselves? <laughs> right? <laughs> like I, yeah. I think it's valuable both ways, and it kind of goes back to the discussion. I feel like we just had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, like what is your specialty and 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 uh, no you know what uh i have a i have a pick this week um oh, okay. I, I don't know if we've picked this i don't think we've picked this before um freakonomics it was a book i don't know oh, what, 10 or 20 years it's, ago it's pretty old um, at this point i read that in high school yeah uh it's levy and dubner yep. uh, phenomenal book they have a podcast and so the P- freakonomics podcast is our augment for the day um they are now I want to say two parts into a multi-part series. And this is, we just talked about this like last month about college and university. Mm, and is mm-hmm. it really worth it? And I, yep. I strongly, impl- anybody that was either riled up and or triggered by the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about education, listen to this current series. I, th- I think they're two in. So the last two episodes and then moving forward, I don't know how many they're doing, um, tremendous, tremendous, mm-hmm. uh, uh, exploration of the, of the space. All right. Super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. Yeah. The reason it's relevant here is they spend like a half an entire episode talking about the prestige of the top universities and what, like, does that have a predictive impact on, uh, on income later in life? If you control for socioeconomic factors and, Mm -hmm. and all of these other kind of things. And the answers like less black and white than I think a lot of people want to admit. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and there's still and and a lot of it's like, oh yeah, you know, I know I'm paying eighty thousand dollars a year to go to, you know, Brown because of the name. Right. Right. Because I have a perception that doors will open for me that would otherwise not be open. That's right. Right. And that's it. And and like education's not materially better at the right. out it's it's you can Just argue legacy. in some ways it's worse. You can argue in some ways it's worse because a lot of the schools have gotten lazy just trading on their names. Um, well, that there certainly is there certainly is an opening for that, um, and it's worse because like, do we have are we underserving the college ambitious population? by these universities not widening their enrollment. I don't want to get into the whole thing because yeah, it's like- we, we already covered them, but, it, but it's-, it's no, li- Listen to that series though. It's, it's Freakonomics awesome. podcast about colleges. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And, and those guys awesome have, color. I love the way that they look at the world. They take everything and they just turn it on its head. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, their podcast is hit, I would say like maybe a 50%, like half of them are Internet. really good and the other half are like, meh. Mm. It's okay, but you got to listen to figure it out. And I think right, it's worth right. the exercise. Everything in the book was amazing. I mean, that was probably greatest hits yeah. of things that they, that they have explored. Solid but, read. Yeah. You know, the book, solid the book's read. a very solid read. It's very fun and still, and still completely applicable today. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, where the hell, where the hell was I? Um, all right. So we talked about, uh, cybersecurity, working for cybersecurity companies. Um, and, um, Oh, we got into fangs. You know, we were, we were, we were riffing on fangs. Bang. Um, so yes, not, not a, you know, not a thing that's, uh, not a thing that's, that's super. Helpful. No, now it's, uh, now, now it's mang. Uh, I have heard, um, somebody actually uh, on a social media feed, somebody made it, uh, manga, M-A-N-G-A. Manga. Okay. Uh, yeah. Microsoft, Microsoft, Apple, Netflix, Google, Amazon. I thought that was a, that one was pretty cool. 
Um, they dropped Facebook from it. Oh, I would have just gone double M. I don't think you can drop Facebook yet. No, no, no I'm not saying you can. Somebody just, you know, change the acronym right. for the sake of changing the acronym yeah. based on uh, the argument. And I think it's right. You know, I don't understand why Microsoft is not included in the FANG acronym, which I think is a fair, uh, that's actually a fair complaint. I believe Microsoft really should be in there, you know, both, uh, you know, honorably and dubiously for, for, you know, the pro and the con of that, uh, of that definition. Potentially. Potentially. I don't know that I would agree with that. I don't know that I would agree with that historically. Um, I think there's merit to that being there's merit in the, in the acronym, though. Yeah, they're a little. I mean, they are of all of those companies. They are the absolute granddaddy. There's there's no doubt about that. They've been around longer than any of the other ones in yeah. the acronym. But um, you know, it's I, I I think it belongs there. I think that belongs there. Um, so anyway, cybersecurity certainly a field acts kind of clickish. Shouldn't be clickish. Belongs to if you're and if you're in IT software development, even if you're not, even if you're on the business end of it, security is absolutely your responsibility. Um, and I, and I don't like the notion of security being its own thing purely, um, because security is not its own thing. You have to implement security inside of these systems. And so having an understanding of how they work, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, I generally do not like cybersecurity wonks who just, you know, wax poetic about, what policy should be and things like that. That 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 to I, me is that's cybersecurity light, as far as I'm concerned. That's not the real stuff. Some of I think maybe this is a controversial statement, but I think some of the smartest people in the technology sector are infosec practitioners that then got into the finance and policy side of the yes. business. Yeah, because they, they have, started think, as on the ground, like not just in terms of of like how you construct or manage an infosec program or any of that kind of stuff, but just the way that they think about the world, they really, I think they really make stunning executives specifically because they are able to actually stay results oriented, apply pragmatic working principles. And they understand that at the end of the day, every business decision is just, um, it's just risk mitigation. Right? right, it's just balancing and managing risk, and that was their bread and butter back in the day. And by the way, they also know how to plug in a computer, so they can hold their own in a technical discussion, mm -hmm. which makes them just like ferocious advocates for their practice. I just I love the hell out of listening to these people because they are so smart. Like yeah. I don't care what part of technology you're in, you're in you you listen to Paul Security Weekly, you listen to Down the Security Rabbit Hole, you listen to these podcasts, you follow these people, and you just learn. You look like. You look like the Riddler at the end of Batman Forever, where his brain is all swollen and saggy. Like you just you <laughs> learn so much. It's they're fascinating people to listen to. Yeah, I I agree. I, and I, I would apply that. that that extends beyond cybersecurity. I think, you know, the best leaders in in technical fields have a a very raw grassroots experience in you know, in the trenches of doing the dev work. So like your best CTOs are former developers. You know, they, they don't develop anymore, obviously because of the work, but you know, they've been there and understand it in inherently. Um, yeah. And you can make that argument, I think out of any, like there was a anything. wave of yeah. wave of um, MBAs, you know, mid-century yeah. MBA wave came along. And prior to that, if you were an executive, it's because you worked up from the ranks and you knew the business bottom to top and you understood all of the challenges and that made you super effective. 
And then you get all these business majors that come in with no actual on the ground experience to speak of. You know, maybe they had a perfunctory stint in some kind of a role at some point, but mm-hmm. they really don't get it in the same way. Um, there's a clear difference in efficacy between those two groups. Obvi- I mean, yeah, it's now they're also the downsides of the people who used to do the work are accentuated. So I think the MBAs, those, those folks wind up, I think, being a little more well-rounded, but I'm not one that necessarily leans into this idea that everybody's always got to be optimally well-rounded all well, the not time. Only, I, don't, I think that's a little fallacious on its head, so I don't weight that too heavily. Uh, hold on. I want to dig into that, but before you do, I want to say that you can still get the same – you can get – you can – you can approximate those same well-rounded results by having somebody who has bounced from at least two companies. You know, a lot of bad habits get ingrained because you learn one thing one way and you never get exposure to only ever that only ever that. And then, you know, that just, you know, exacerbates over time because we, you know, we get stodgier, you know, old dogs and new tricks and all that sort of thing. Um, Uh, I would say, I mean, just to fight about it for a second, for the sake of fun, uh, the counter, the counterpoint to that is, yeah, but you understand your organization better than anybody else. And you become more and well equipped to handle its specific brand of dysfunction, right? Because every company's got dysfunction. Um, Now, the problem is the longer you've been there, the more you may have been an input to that dysfunction. So there's a certain level of blindness. I I mean, I could, I could spar myself on that point for probably the next half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a difference between uh, solving and 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 managing the dysfunction versus being part of the dysfunction and yeah. generating it, which yeah. I think is where you were going. But um, you know, you so you I want to back up. You mentioned that um, the 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 well roundedness is is overstated. I feel like this is a this is a bit of an iceberg that I kind of want to explore. So tell me about this. Like you said, well rounded um, is over is 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 overvalued. It's not as important. Yeah, I mean, really, I'm going to wind up, and not to make this whole episode like College 2.0, um, but I think we we pretty much settled that one a couple of weeks ago um, when I noted that like my undergrad degree was half half the credits were like general. Oh, this is the liberal credits. arts or argument right. again. Is what the it same is. the same thing, right? Like, okay. like I. I don't. I think everybody needs a rudimentary understanding of the things outside their area of expertise. They need to be able to have an intelligent conversation with the people in charge of those other areas, right? And then that's about it. And I think the rest of your time is best spent being more of an expert in your own area. Now, there yeah. are certain areas where, like, it certainly helps if you have more exposure to those other things that that can make you more effective in certain cases. Um, but I think needing to do that is almost more a function of having maybe like a not so great culture where you have to be so interdisciplinary in all of your decisions because maybe you can't count on your partners to be that good at theirs or, or right, understand right. yours reciprocally in order to have a productive conversation. Um, might get myself into trouble with that one, but I, eh. um, I think I, know, I think I think the the well rounded thing stops at about the eighth grade. But until then, mm. yeah, you want a well rounded education, and you want to understand all the things breath first, and then after about eighth grade, dive deep on something and forget the rest. Like, yeah, but there's that's my, uh, that's my attitude. Yeah, okay. So, like I said, it's a little your 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 counter to the liberal arts argument, sort of redux. But yeah. there is you know, in, in a, in a, 
bring it up a level here a little bit, you know, in a business setting, you know, being, having skill and awareness of all of the moving pieces, even if you're only responsible for one or two of them, understanding how they all work and being able to substitute if poor, albeit poorly, maybe, but being able to substitute it, any one of them, that, that makes you more effective at, at your primary job and no, more valuable. See, I think maybe more valuable. I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to agree more effective. I think more efficient. And to the degree that efficiency as at the executive level yields efficacy, then you have a point. But I think the argument comes in um, because there are fewer conversations that you need to have in such depth with your partners. So like if I'm a department head right. in technology and I have peers in, let's say, finance and marketing and operations, mm -hmm. let's say it's just the four of us running the company. Right. The more I know about finance and marketing and operations, the more efficient I'm going to be in managing my team in a way that my three partners will see as conducive to the overall business. Right. The less the less well versed I am in those three domains, the more conversations I'm going to have to have in more depth more often with the three of them to make sure that I'm running my department in a way that they agree with. And so now at and and when you multiply that by four, you know, I guess four factorial, right? Then I think at the executive level, having everybody interdisciplinary and cross-functional, again, is that efficacy or just efficiency or is there a difference at that point? I don't really know. Mm. All right. So I'm going to disagree with you here a little bit because I think that you actually do get better at your job by knowing and understanding other people's jobs. Everything you said is true. Understanding them. You can short circuit conversations. You know, you lead to. You know, I want to be clear. I don't disagree with what you just said. Your thesis oh. there being you get better at your job by understanding people's others. That doesn't disagree with what I'm suggesting. Oh, okay. See, I thought you were, you were focusing, you said that, you know, that you don't improve in your own job. You just get more efficient at dealing with others. That was the way I read what you, what you said. There. No, not exactly. Oh, okay. Um, all no. right. So let me continue. And then if you yeah, agree, then uh, you agree. Fine. All right. So what I was going to say was that, uh, by understanding how other positions work and understanding how they interplay with you, you can become more effective at your role because you'll understand where, where the touch points and what the interaction points look like and what they'll be. And you can better predict outcomes and you can, um, you can better handle uh, potential points of friction and, and, you know, grease the skids on that, which is, which is beyond simply communication efficiency. It's, I understand this part of your job. And so it makes me better at mine. So for a, a really simple contrived example in development would be building reports. So the more you understand about the audience, the, the more you understand the role in the position of, let's say it's a, let's say it's a, a salesperson. Okay. And the more you understand about what sales is doing and how their life is oriented around how many customers they potential customers they talk to and where they're at in the in the potential life cycle uh, in the sales cycle and uh you know uh, conversion rates and the incentive structure the way that you know any given company has their um their things oriented uh, because most sales positions are commission based they earn some kind of percentage based on the sales or and things like that they even do more nuanced things about how long it takes to convert a customer. 
a real quick turnaround, you get more percentage. Like there's all sorts of nuance, right? The more you understand yeah. those sorts of things, like everything I just rattled off, you know, any salesperson is going to go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and for devs that might go, oh, I didn't think about the, you know, the, the turnaround time thing. That's, that's interesting. Well, right. The more you understand that though, and then you have to go and build reports out of the data that they use so that, you know, they can use those reports to present to their superiors or it's reports that the sales leadership wants to see about their team. You're going to be able to build more effective stuff because you understand the data, which is your job, and you understand the role better than the average bear. And your stuff is going to be better. You're just fundamentally going to do a better job building those reports. Again, super contrivy kind of example, but yeah, I, I think you see I where I'm going. I agree with that. Here. My okay. point, my point wasn't my point wasn't that you don't have to know anything about anything outside of your vertical because an executive, you you certainly do. Right. Right. My point was that if you have a if you have a foundational working knowledge enough of those areas in order to be competent at your job, mm-hmm. your time from that point may be better spent on your domain mm-hmm. and furthering that knowledge. That's yeah. all. Not yeah. not in other words, not that there's no roundedness, but that the pursuit, the non-ending pursuit of perfect roundedness mm-hmm. is, I think, at odds with being more effective, which is enough in all of the other areas and then continuing in your own. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so we're we yeah we're we're on and you the, could fight about like what enough is for sure. Yeah, well, and I mean, even like, if you don't spend time focusing on those other areas, just naturally rubbing shoulders with all the people that do, you're going to learn more if you have your eyes open and a pulse, right? Um, and I don't think that's bad. No, no, we're gonna need a reverse boxing bell for when we think we're fighting, uh, but we're actually saying the same thing different ways. We need to I, come up I with that. I think so, right? Like like, a, like an we actually. Bell. Yeah. Like maybe like the we, taco we actually bell turned out not to fight the taco. Like, <laughs> just that, you know, just like a gong, you know, just that <sighs> deep, like bong, something like oh, that. Oh yeah. That would be, that would be good. Yeah. Very, very Zen. That would be good. Very Zen. Maybe a gong. Hey, do you, do you want to get to a little feedback? Sure. If you've got some, we got something, we got something. Uh, we have a question okay. uh, per usual. I'll, re- I'll read her off uh, once and then again for you. And I'll, I'll let you respond first. So cool. um, this comes in from Joyce and Joyce asks, what are your thoughts on best ways for handling goal setting and employee reviews? <laughs> so what are your thoughts on best ways for handling goal setting and employee reviews? Goal setting and employee reviews. Um, so we talked about this a little bit uh, a few weeks ago. I, you know, I talked about my, my new policy, which I am hoping to implement with my, with my new, um, in my new role with my new team. This is the, uh, the CTDs, cool things I did. Uh, as a as a sort of uh, uh, deconstructed version of of uh, objectives, OKRs and and KPIs, personal personal OKRs and KPIs. Um, I think that uh, it's there. There's this. The problem for me is the counterbalance between um, the wind, the time frame, the window of time, and the relevancy to the work because on the one hand if i have a shorter window then i'm going to be more relevant to what they're doing because i'm only defining for a certain amount of time so i can come up with something that's hyper relevant the problem is i have to do that in a shorter amount of time and that exercise takes time and it's 
kind of a distraction, honestly, from getting the work done because talking about objectives is very meta. You're, you're, you're working about mm-hmm. work. And so effectively there's some waste in there that you really don't want. On the other hand, if I stretch these things out forever and I only do it once a year, for example, which is pretty common, then my ability to set objectives is almost non-existent Yeah. because, okay, you're in a year, like you're going to do, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. <laughs> it's impossible for me to set objectives on that. And so then the objectives become very generic and what ends up happening, I find with these processes is that, you know, nobody wants to do it often. So they go left less often, even if it's a sign they everyone just kind yeah. of wink and a nod and you know, just kind of gets through it. Mm-hmm. Or at the annual level, it's just, it, it's that to the extreme. Let me check the box and let's come up with some objectives that we know you're going to do in the next year so that we can say at the end, Hey, you did your objectives and you earned a raise if raises in fact happen. Um, so I, I, I have a hard time buying into this process at all. I like the idea of just one-on-ones, just routine interaction without mm-hmm. a lot of overhead. Because again, routine one-on-ones, I'm talking weekly or bi-weekly every other week. That's a very, very small amount of time. So I don't need to do a lot of tracking on that. I'm just checking in and seeing how things are going. And I don't even have to talk about work every time at that level of frequency. It can be personal development. And so you're developing the relationship and you're going to see when problems come up and you're going to be able to talk about them. And if things are good, then you're, you're doing more relationship um, grooming. It's uh, I, I think that that's the, the best course of action. And then that way you're course correcting with problems as they occur. And you can also adjust objectives on the fly based on the work that's come. That's, that's coming in. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, it's tough. <laughs> Great. It's really oh, hard. Oh boy, this um, is like some some stage. Jeez, like there you go for that. That's great. All the credits. No, it, it, goal setting. So where I come from, like goal setting, because I have I have a lot of small teams reporting to me, and goal setting at the individual at the team level, I think can be a relatively simple exercise. Mm-hmm. Right. We have a roadmap. We have nine things to do this year. Nine things are due this year. The time is this year. The what, it, you know, the when is this year. The, mm-hmm. the, the, right. And so you have that, a very that, fixed window. You have a very, right. very fixed window. It's, it's really easy for me at the team level, right? And that may be team, maybe organization, OKRs or something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real easy to set goals and then measure against them and then review whether we got them and, and so forth. At the individual level, goal setting is tough. Um, while being specific and being tactical in terms of actual job function, right? Because like I can say, oh yeah, in the next six months, uh, I want to set the goal that you refactor this backend process to use Rust or something. You know, I can mm-hmm. say that. And then what happens every six month period, every every person six month, right? That you have a review period across something else came along in week two of that six months that Mm -hmm. railroaded them, distracted the team. We had to respond to something, throws that off. And then like the number of times where I can see, oh yeah, had we set this goal, we would have been able to meet it is like 20%. So to me, now maybe that's, maybe that's just setting uh, goals too aggressively. um, Or, or maybe it's me just not being able to rectify working in a small dynamic team and setting individual goals that they can have impact on 
the project, on the product, on the team um, that they can be held accountable for. Because mm-hmm. there's always, even in the happy path, like not when I'm looking to, not when anybody's in trouble, um, but there's always a reason. There's a, I don't want to call it an excuse because that makes it sound like a way I don't want to sound. There's always a reason why it can't be done or it didn't get done. And so it's like, well, why am I setting the goal if I have no, ex- like if I have no way to hold you accountable because there's always a reason we didn't get it done, then how am I going to set the goal in the first place and mm-hmm. say that this is the expectation? Like it, it's tough, you know, and, and you've got like a, a three or four person team. You've got a steady uh, a steady flow of incidents coming in, right? Like defects or bugs or or feature enhancement requests coming in. You've got some projects for the year. Usually, like in an established business, that's what you got time for. Um, and if you have if you have a lot of bandwidth over and beyond that, uh, congratulations to you because that sounds pretty sweet. Normally, you've got to right size the teams for the amount of amount of work that's expected. There's not a lot left over, so then. Um, you know, you can go the direction where you make individual folks um, accountable for those individual projects. So I say, look, this year we've got four projects. We've got four people on the team. Not being prescriptive about how or when they get done, but each of the four of you is individually accountable for one of these four projects. And so, um, you know, that's – I don't know. Is that is that making – I feel like I'm not making a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, you're, 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 you're basically elaborating on how it's hard. <laughs> I think uh, the I think the way that you you manage the uh, um the 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 best way to manage the okay well here's what you tried to do and you know here's what actually happened is you just got to look at the effort put forth so okay you know what was the you know here was your objective up until this date and then you know crap went sideways and we had to shift okay well I'm going to look at the effort you made up until that point relative to the amount of time that was given and then okay your attention is shifted or your responsibility has shifted a little bit. Okay. Let's readjust the objective based on that shift and track that thing appropriately. Um, yeah. Intent and action, right? Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you tried to go about it the right way. You took the opportunities you could to make it happen. Factors came into play and it didn't actually pan out in the end, but you did what you like. You did the right thing to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. the The failure to meet it was was outside. It was an external uh, failure mode, right? And right. you could just say, you know, now as, as far as reviews go, that one I think is really easy. Do them more, do them less formally, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. be non judgmental about the process. That's it. That's the key. Don't do it annually. Don't send everybody in the org the same stupid three questions because nobody remembers what they did last January if it's <laughs> December 12th. Yep. Um, have it be specific and and have it have the out like does don't design the process with okay, out of all of the people, here are the things that everybody should be able to speak to. Don't design your process that way. Design your process with uh as an experiment. This is the way I do it. It's an experiment for me. I have my suspicions about what needs to change around here and and what things are going well. So I design reviews to try to invalidate those assumptions. So if I think I know what direction we need to go, I'm going to try to design my next review to invalidate that, right? To you, disprove the null hypothesis, right? Um, that is a clarifying exercise, and I think people respond pretty well to it. Now, myself... Um, <laughs> I say I say don't do it annually and and I think like I'm overdue for um I'm overdue for my team's reviews by by quite a fair margin um 
I am going to have to eat Uh-oh. some major crow. Uh, yeah, I, I am. I, I did play victim um, the last, I'll say, year. Uh, I have, I have been, uh, I have allowed myself. Let me, let me take affirmative language here. <laughs> I have allowed myself to become a victim of the "we're too busy to do it" kind of mindset, uh, um, mm-hmm. and uh, because I'm, I'm fierce with my team. Like this is important stuff. It matters. It matters especially when, just like um, like team engagement activities, like happy hours and stuff, I emphasize that everybody prioritize those, especially when things are super busy, because that's exactly when you need a break. That's exactly when I think uh, priorities are tested, is when things are not going well. Um, and so I make it a point to emphasize these types of activities, and reviews are one of them. And I'm gonna have to go. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with my palms up the next mm. team meeting and and address the fact that I have let this lapse so far. I'm not. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that one. Oh. <laughs> if I'm being honest, uh, let me down. Let me down. I am. Uh, I let uh, myself down. Frank. That's <laughs> so disappointed. I'm so disappointed in you. Gosh. That makes two of us. <laughs> Man. Well, if you're disappointed in me, please reach out. Email us feedback at refactor.work. You can view um, show notes, back episodes, archive, recommendations, all that kind of stuff at refactor.work. We want your feedback. We want more feedback. So please send that over uh, email or even a voice memo on your phone. You can email that to us. We'll play it on the show. my ramblings online can be found at tonkinson.com and frank's at hotcoles k-o-e-h-l-s.com this has been episode 68 of the refactored podcast from may 5th 2022 thanks frank thanks chris i'll talk to you later i have people skills